close to the camera. See, look. See, he's five pounds right now. <laughs> We're here at the media day for the 2021 Bassmaster Classic on Ray Roberts. This is a thing. <laughs> look at the size of this thing. Progress we've made so far on our Hobie PA 14. Got it wired up for 12 volt right now. We got the P127. Got one. Took him long enough, didn't he? He knows. You know that's well, your outro. I know, but I mean, like, I was waiting on you because, <laughs> like, you just kind of put me on the spot and it's like it didn't flow. Like, whatever. All right, guys. All right, guys. I want to thank y'all for tuning in to One Objective tonight. We got a really good show lined up for you guys. We got Chad Pipkins. He's going to come on and talk about his 2023. 2023 season that's about to get started uh they're gonna be down in okeechobee here soon catching some some giants hopefully hopefully it's gonna be a great uh hopefully all them big fish pull up for them guys so we can get a great show out of it but um but and we're also gonna be talking about wintertime bass fishing you know some some techniques where to look um best baits to be throwing you know all that all that jazz and Hopefully we can get some of you guys' questions in it's just gonna be me tonight uh chris chris ain't in the studio chris chris is working so um, on these weekday shows, it's just me running it. So just bear with me if uh, I'm not getting every, every question or whatever. So I'm going to do my best here. But, uh, but anyways, I want to thank a couple of our sponsors that help uh, support this show. If you don't mind, go go help support us by supporting them. Um, you can check out Waterland Sunglasses right now. If you go on to Waterland Sunglasses, um, use promo code OneObjective for 15% off. Uh, at checkout and they got all kinds of different frames all kinds of different lenses make sure you go check them out they got everything you need i actually like to have about three pairs so you can have different lenses for the circ different conditions whether it be cloudy uh bright and sunny you know muddy water so just make sure you go check them out use one objective for 15 percent off also check out missile baits we got uh everything that you need missile baits on oneobjectivebf.com or you can go to one object i mean one uh, missile baits and check out uh, what they have on there if you want to order from them as well. Either way, as long as we're supporting Missile Baits, uh, truly appreciate it because them, them guys have been with us for a long while and, and, and appreciate all that they do for us. Um, but anyways, we're going to go ahead. We're going to get Chad Pipkins in. We're going to talk about, like say, his 2023 schedule. Also, if you're here, go ahead and share this. Share it with your friends. If you're on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And we're going to have this show up on iTunes tomorrow morning, so make sure you check it out. Hey, Chad, what's going on, man? Not much, guys. How you doing? Oh, not too bad, man. I appreciate you taking the time to join us tonight. I know that we are, we got a few, we got about what, another two weeks, something like that, maybe three weeks before the Elite Series really kicks off. We're ready to get rolling, man. Just saw your intro and some some fish catching on uh, unthawed water got me jacked up to get out there because we're kind of <laughs> kind of getting frozen up here. We're in the in-between stages. No ice, no, no fishing, but we're getting yeah. ready to roll. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a couple of people i've talked to some people got ice fishing some people don't you know like it just depends yeah. on what part of the region you're in right now because it's been a weird a weird winter you we know had it in december and for like about five days and it went away now it's yeah. Been, yeah it's been weird i'm we're gonna have ice in like may or march and april i'm sure so oh i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure for the Bassmasters classic it's gonna be the blizzard of a lifetime you know what i mean That's i hope not thing. man i've already fished two of those in uh south carolina and oklahoma and they're not fun when it's 25 degrees in the morning and trying to go bass fishing. So I'm hoping for like 65 and 
get the fish yeah. out back and let's roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, we got so we got the classic, uh, the kayak side of the classic we'll be competing in, and that's what I'm kind of like. Nice. I, most of the time, I like getting on the water in a kayak, like say when it's warm, not when I'm freezing and sitting there in a chair and getting water splashed on. You know, like that's. I'm like, man, please don't snow. I know we're going to be in Tennessee. Yeah, or hooking that, hooking that big one and falling in in 50-degree water. That doesn't sound very good to me. So. <laughs> no, no, it don't sound fun at all. But, but man, let's kind of – let's talk about uh, 2022 season. I mean, I was going through and looking, and, I mean, you had a few good events, you know. I mean, it's it might not be how you wanted it, but realistically looking at it, it really wasn't that bad of a year. I mean – no, it's kind of been like that, like the last outside of a, a couple of close calls where I maybe could have won at Pickwick or leading that, um, you know, four, you know, four years ago. The last four years have just kind of been good. I've made the classic every year, but just kind of going under the radar. Like, it's funny. I, this is my 11th season coming up. And it, like, I get it totally because I'm no, you know, superstar set the world on fire yet. But it's one of those deals where people are like, oh, do you do you still fish? Because you just you fly under the radar. I mean, I literally I didn't miss a check since like May. And I had a really good end of the season finish, you know, 30 something in the points. And yeah. uh, it was good, made the classic again, but you don't get seen unless you make those top tens or make some waves. So um, I just feel like it's a matter of time. You know, sometimes that's happening and sometimes it's not. And this year, I think I made one top 10 in an open, but outside of that, just kind of cashed some checks, had some fun. But we got to, we're, we're due, we're due to like light it up one of these times. I just, just talking to you about that a minute ago, I just haven't strung a whole year together. Like I've done the opens a few times where you get three or four good events and you're in the top five in the points. I always stub my toe either in the middle of the beginning. So hopefully we can figure that out and uh, string nine together one year and make a run at AOI. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy because, you know, like people talk about momentum and football and racing and or sports in general, but like people don't understand either like bass fishing, it's momentum. And it's that if you start having good events that, that positive attitude you're going into them. You know what I mean? The confident attitude that you have that, you know, I've been figuring them out, you know? So, I mean, that's a big player, right? When you go, like you look at towards the end of your year last year, you had some really good events. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think even more so in our sport versus other sports, just because our sport, like all sports are mental, but our sport has such a mental aspect with so many decision-making features. Like it, it only takes one or two right ones a day to have a great year, you know? Yeah. And, when you're not catching them, the, the decisions are so hard to make. You're out there and you're like, man, do I run here? Do I run there? And, and before you know it, 30 minutes have passed, 20, whatever, and you miss that window and it feels like you're just behind and you have that opposite momentum. You have that snowball effect that just sucks you down. But when it's good, dude, you don't even make a decision. You're like, you're catching a fish. You're like, ah, I'm going to roll over here and just roll over there, pick up a bait you haven't caught anything on. And like, you just recognize things so fluently, you know, as they're happening. Like I've had some events where you tie in a couple extra baits the night before. Like I call them the what if or circumstances. Like if something changes, you may not even have thrown it in practice, but it's nine o'clock in the morning and you're like, that, sh- that should be right now. And you pick it up and you just start stroking them. And like, yeah. that's when things are firing, your brain's firing and you're just listening to your gut, you know, and that's when you fish. That's when you make nine of those in a row and you're golden. Unfortunately for me, my not nine usually end at the end of the year when I'm rolling. They're like, okay, you're done now. It's time to go to the off season. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. What are you going to do? And, and, you know, as anglers and, and a lot of the guys that are listening to this show, term anglers, you know, we can relate. Like, you can – fishing's one of the things, man. You can have one really good event, and then you have a bad one, then a good one. Or or there's years where you just suck it up real bad, you know? And yeah. it's like you can't put the 
puzzle together. 2016. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it, it's crazy how it goes like that. But you know, like say, sometimes it's just just a little adjustments either off the water that make it better. You know, whether life at home is is better or just mentally you're there. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and I think what you said at home, that's why you see guys like my buddy Garrett Paquette. He's big into the numbers of like when people peak in fishing. You've got your wheelers and Polnick and, you know, like Justin Lucas and, you know, those guys that just light it up right away. But then there's the majority of guys that are like those next step, they peak in their mid forties. And it's because like, initially you're trying to make it like you're there. Like this is my 10th year or 11th year now, like I'm there. And initially you're like acquiring those sponsor deals. You're also learning how to navigate your decision-making, your strengths, weaknesses, and you're building your knowledge on your lake base, you know? So like after seven or eight years, you really have seen a lot. You've seen a lot of things. You've failed a lot. And then hopefully, you know, you've tightened up your financial deals and stuff. And it just starts to click as an angler. And for me, I've, I've felt that the last, I would say, you know, five to seven years. And now starting a family a few years ago. Like we've got two kids now, but like everything's there. Like I don't have any excuses. Like we're good. Let's just, let's go get it done and have some fun. And, and I feel like I have. And that's why I've gotten in a rhythm the last, you know, five years. have been my best five years and hopefully the next five are the best five. And we just, we just get into that next pinnacle, you know? Yeah. What do you think it is with some of these guys that just come in that just they're automatic superstars? I mean, what do you, what do you, I mean, I know that it's, it's, it's skill. I understand that, but like, it's, it's just, you, it don't happen every year. You know what I mean? Like it's so often you just got one guy that comes in and just boom, he sets the world on fire. Like yeah, you, to, to do it like, like Wheeler, um, Jordan Lee, you know, Polnick, Justin, like those guys, they have that it thing. You know what I mean? Like that, that person doesn't come around every year. There's not one of those, but like when you do that and you come in and it keeps happening, they've got the knack that they, it just, the decisions come natural and they're not, they're not fighting with themselves. They literally just, I mean like this year, Polnick, like I share info with him. We talk a lot, like good buddies, it, like the, the last day when he almost blew angle of the year on the second to last day, he had the bites to catch him the first day. They just didn't, he didn't hook up. So instead of going there logically, like a lot of us would do, like where we had bites and missed him, he's like, nah, he just goes somewhere completely different where he hasn't been. And, but he does that all the time. Like he's just very aware. He's like, I know that was working at noon. I can come back to that. I'm going to take this and maybe I can get off to a better start. Like they're good about making those natural changes and, and not afraid to, you know, make, take a risk, I think. And you see other guys that come in, I think, you know, your first year, especially because you don't you don't know what you don't know so you come in your first year and you just do your own thing and you're kind of unaware like there's hundreds of different ways to catch them if you focus on like hackney and christy those guys are going to go fish shallow if you focus on your deal you can find them if you try to do a little bit of everything you're probably going to suck and so it's one of those like you know just get out there and do your own thing and then as you learn a little bit more there's usually like i was doing my thing then i learned more and you have that like sophomore slump junior slump and then you kind of harness you know a little bit of everything and what you like to do and where your strengths lie and I feel like that's exactly what happened to me I could have had my best year starting but I caught some bad breaks and after that like I slowly you know I started to figure stuff out and then I had a little dip you know then once I realized like I I can do what I like to do I like to finesse fish I like to you know throw shaky heads and drop shots there's guys that make a living doing that and there's guys that win tournaments doing that you just got to figure out how to do it yeah Jeff Jeff Cree you look at him he made he made a living off a shaky head yeah, dude, I've caught, I can't tell you how many big fish I've caught. Like when we were at Chick and the, the fall two years ago, I caught a 7.5 at Big Bass one day. I caught, dang, 7.2 seven, seven at uh, Kentucky Lake. It's not like you're just going down the bank throwing a shake yet. Like you target those 
still those big fish areas and those isolated sweet spots, you're going to put your bait in front of more fish and bigger fish. You're, you're still going to catch big fish. You know, yeah. I'm, I love Zaldane. Good dude. I don't have to throw a glide bait to catch them. I always joke those guys were in fork and I have a nine something on my scale. I'm like, I caught him on the glide. And they're like, did you? I'm like, no, I caught him on my little DC 300. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is what it is. Yeah. Do you, you know, kind of talking about that glide bait thing. Do you, do you throw it? Well, we're just starting to kind of get into it. So we're pl- dabbling with 45, 50. Don't do it. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm starting to wonder because I'm like, I'm starting to get the addiction, you know, but I ain't caught nothing. Like it's a hundred percent addiction with that deal. And I, I did it one, one tournament and I'm, I'm pretty much done with it. I did it in uh Lake Travis down in Texas a few years ago. And again, Polinick and I are talking, I was getting some bites. He was catching some big ones on it in practice. So I'm like, I'll try it. I go over to the first dock, like on a bluff wall, throw it across something, hits it. And then like three, four to six pounders followed. And I'm like, huh, I literally troll across the corner, throw one down the side and I catch a five pounder on my second cast. I'm like, I go to another one and a bunch of big ones followed out. I go across the lake, make one cast and a six pounder jumps off. I'm like, this is the easiest thing ever. Well, the first day of the tournament, I go out in the first few hours, I catch some nice ones. I got a decent limit. I go throw a glide bait for three hours. I have like a handful of followers and never get a bite. I'm like, oh, stupid. The next day I do what I like to do. And after I catch my little limit, I pick up a, a wacky worm, go fish the backside of docks and catch like two five pounders. I'm like, yeah. I still made a check, but if I'd have done that the first day, just doing what I like to do, I'd have made a top 10, you know? So that's yeah. probably the last time I threw a glide in a tournament. So. <laughs> that's what I've always said. Me and James have conversations. I like watching Chris Zaldane. I've learned a lot from him with big swim baits and glide baits, but in a big tournament situation, man, it's so iffy because it is a five fish uh, lure. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, you got you've got to swing for it, but there is times when like, that's the deal. Like when we were at, um, um, chick this year in the spring, like it wasn't easy to get bites. You're way better off throwing that thing. Cause then if, if you hook up three or four times and put them in the boat or even two times to catch a six and a seven pounder, you're better off than the guys catching the two and a half pounders. Yeah. You know, so there are times like when you go to fork, you don't have to catch, you know, 12 fish. You got to, if they catch three or four of the right ones. And there are windows when I, if I knew a little bit more about it, there are windows when you should pick it up for an hour or two, like when you've already caught what you did. But it's like, the more I talk to like, you know, Carl and Cliff Perch and Palnick, like at this point, it's just, I'm not keep two in the boat. <laughs> what is yeah. it not for me? Unless I'm like, well, I got 25 pounds. Let me just go play around. But that would be yeah. probably the only time I pick one up now, just cause like it is addicting and you, you will see everything, but there's a difference between getting the bite, getting them in the boat, and knowing like which days of the days they might eat, you know, versus follow, you know. That's right. And that's what I've run into a lot. I, I'm still learning. I, I've gotten in, you know, with, with spot, I mean, not spotlight, but uh, live scope and all that, it just makes it that much worse. Oh, and, yeah. So sometimes I'm like, I'm just putting this back down and throwing a, you know, a jig or a spinnerbait or crankbait going back to what yeah. I like to throw. Cause I, I've gone out of many times and not caught nothing because I kept that thing in my hand all the time. But yeah, I know you see them on live and you see them with your eyes and you're like, this is just not there. There's literally, there's literally fish ever. That's all this the live, you know, it's amazing. And it's like people that don't have, it, you're like, oh, it's cheating. Cause you can't, all it teaches you is that there are fish everywhere and we are terrible fishermen because we can't catch them all. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like some days they, they eat a little better than others, but man, they're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But let's talk, uh, go back a little bit. 2023. There is, I think I'm losing. Oh, we got you now. Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, you know, looking back at 2023, I know shoulda, woulda, coulda doesn't help, but is there yeah. any tournaments that like stick out that like, man, if I would have just maybe made this decision, that outcome might've been a little bit better. 
in 2022 you're talking about? Yeah, 2022. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, the, the biggest – I mean, the one that stands out, I mean, it, and it should because it was just foolish, is um, Sandy Cooper. Like, I just I, – one, I, I should have had a good term. I missed some good fish. But, like, it was a very tough like, – that place is worse than anywhere else as far as they're not there and then they're there. You know what I mean? Like, they're very hard to catch when they haven't come up yet. And, like, I was on that deal because, you know, Paul and I were talking and we were catching some good ones, and he kind of clued me in on some brush pile stuff, you know off the bank where the fish were staging. I had a couple places where I caught like a four or five pound and there'd be one or two with it. I'm like, this is sweet. This is it. And then I had a few places like I had marked a couple fish on beds and some empty beds. And I, like I knew they were coming. I just, I wish the last day of practice instead of running brush, I'd have went and looked at some of that stuff. Cause the first day I caught like 15 something was in the middle of the pack and kind of caught fish here and there, but didn't really go up and look. I, I had all that weight by like 11 o'clock. All I had to do was go up to the bank. I was literally fishing next to Drew Cook, next to Corey John. Like I was in the right, the, the pocket that it got one in, that was my pocket that I had the most beds on. And I went in there the, the end of the first day and there was like three locals on this side. And I think Drew was over here or somebody or Corey. And instead I went, me being a moron, I'm like, well, I'll just go down the windy side. And I couldn't see. All I had to do was go down any line of beds that I had checked before. And they were pulling up like crazy. Another bank that I saw some really good ones on, that cruising or where empty beds were like John Cox literally went up and down it a bunch. And, and I didn't, it was 11 o'clock on day two. I'm like, or maybe 10 30, 11. I'm like, I got to go up. And I went to the first stretch and I'm like, Oh, these eight beds weren't here yet or three days ago, which means they were there. And John Cox already smoked them the day before. <laughs> and I go to one that was empty and I catch a four pounder, go to another one. I catch a five pounder and I'm catching like two more, two and a half. But I missed a four, missed a two and a half, lost like a six. I weighed four fish and I finished like for like 13 pounds, but I finished like 73rd. I was, my buddy was like 10 pounds behind me and finished three places behind me. Well, two pounds would have got me 38 spots, like up into like 35th. I mean, I was literally just right at the end of terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I weighed four fish that day. And it's just one of those, like looking back, like those are the decisions the first day they weren't biting on the brush. I had ended up making a decision and caught some off docks. All I had to do was put the trolling motor down and go down the bank the last two or three hours just to give myself like, hey, this is what should be happening tomorrow. And I wouldn't have wasted my time in the morning like I would have been in there catching them because then I was there and I was like behind Corey, behind everywhere I went. Somebody would just be reeling one in and I'm like, this is just it was the snowball. I was just I was five <laughs> minutes late for everything. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it's those moments like that we learn from, you know, like you you put that in your memory bank and you're like, all right, next time yeah. I'm going to maybe move up a little further. Just check more things out, you know, yeah, just, and do it quicker. Like I literally had those fish the first day by 11, 1130. And I was doing it like four, three, I had five hours and I didn't even catch a damn keeper after <laughs> that. I'm like, that's just foolish. You got to, you have to be learning and constantly ready for the next deal. And, and I was there like that should have been a top five. I mean, it yeah. was, instead it was like 78 worst event of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, but like I say, we all learn from those and going into this year, you know, you're, if you feel that situation's coming up now, you're kind of like, okay, just last year, I'm going to try this, you know, and see, see what happens. Cause it's, it is really crazy. Like I know just this year I, at Smith, I've been fishing water temperature has been about 46 and I fish main channels. I fish secondary points and all of a sudden just something, I just went to the back of the Creek. I'm like, I'm going back here. Yeah. And there was bass chasing shad up into the Creek all up on. And I'm like, you know, I never look shallow this time of the year. I just, I go out there to deep water and that's where I look for them. And I'm like, then I catch a few, you know? So now I'm kind of like, 
okay, 46 degrees. I know I need, I need to be up on a bank looking around a few times, you know. Yeah, and every day's different, man. And it's like 46 degrees, 46. Well, if it's if it's 55 and it goes to 46, different ball game. If it's yeah. 39 and goes to 46 and you got a warming trend, like those fish get up quick. And it, it's really crazy because the place that they're going to get is a foot to two foot of water because it's going to get the warmest the quickest. If you get, if it's been, you know, 35 to 45, 50 degrees for a while and you get a 50 degree day or two and there's a foot and a half, two foot of water with a piece of wood out, like that thing is going to be burning up with heat. I don't know how they feel that, but like that's the water that warms the quickest. So like you go deeper, you go shallow. I do feel like that time of year, like what you're talking about, that middle depth kind of goes away. It's like, they're going to sit under deeper docks, going to sit in ditches, or they're going to get up shallow and sun and, or just get crazy and chase bait when it's time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it, like, say just time on the water, you know, and we were talking about you fishing some, you're going to be fishing some opens. You're going to be fishing Northern opens this year. And, um, you know, you're just trying to get that time on the water. You're getting that more experience and, um, yeah. talk, talk a little bit about that. You know, we talked about that before the show, why, why you are doing, you know, the, the opens. Yeah, it, it, like you, you mentioned earlier, it's all about rhythm. It's all about decision-making. And I feel like I don't fish a ton at home. I mean, I, I can, but it's like going to Lake Erie, going to Saginaw Bay, St. Clair. It's not like fishing other places. You know what I mean? So it really it helps, but it doesn't help. You know, So at home, I fun fish a little bit, take sponsors out, whatever, run a little paint company, do some rental properties and stuff. So I stay busy. So when it's time to fish, like I am freaking jacked up, ready to roll, excited. Like I, I mean, I shake because I get so excited because I haven't got to do it in a while. Yeah. So when it's, it's ready to go, that that's, it's, that's my time. But the difference is like that tournament situation, that's what you need to be in more because like you can go out and fish and time on the water, but like when you have all the time in the world to make the decision, it doesn't really, you know, replicate like game day, you know, like practice how you play. Like when you're just out hanging out, it's not the same scenario. So for me, like doing the opens, it just, it helps me get in rhythm. And most of the years I've done well, like I've done, I made a top 10 in an open and then I cash out the rest of the year. Like, it's just, I get the rhythm, I get that confidence, and I start fishing better. And the my favorite was when they did, for two years, Bass did the uh, Eastern Opens. And that was perfect because they did an event early, like in end of January in Florida. And then they kind of worked their way up. to new, and, and there was four Opens. So instead of having, like, trying to fish all nine, which is just too much, and the Elites, they had those four events, which was nice. I was able to start before the Elites kind of knocked the dust off. And that that really helped me. And since then, I've always taken like the week before our official practice starts, I'll go down to Florida and I'll just, I'll get on the water for three to four days and kind of like go through, making sure my gear is ready, but then get into that. Like, okay, they're not here. Where should they be? And try to replicate like at least a practice day. So I can see if I can find these fish. And that way, like a lot of times things just start to like get your creative juices going and then you start practice and you're just thinking about what should be happening, you know, not like I hadn't fished in four months. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're just working on a split split second decision kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That's all it is. That Sandy Cooper tournament, like I was there doing the right thing, the right plot. I just didn't make the decision quick enough. I didn't get up and and go. You know, and that's and for me that's frustrating because like I use it like that's what I would say. I pride my I make quick decisions, and for there for some reason I was just beating the fire out of that dead horse, and it, it wasn't <laughs> wasn't really good. Yeah. Um. Just, I want to touch base just real short on it because I know, like, say, you're just you're fishing the three in that series. You're not fishing all nine. But what do you think about Bass's decision on having to fish all nine? I tell you my opinion first. I I think it I think it's a great idea. I think it it'll it'll hone everybody in, and you're gonna get the cream of the crop. You know what I mean to come into the elites. But what is your take on fishing all nine events to get into the elites? 
Yeah, I mean, it goes both ways. And I like, I, I hate that the guy that, you know, wants to fish the elites that has a job, you know, like I feel bad for that person. Yeah. Who I feel really bad for is the person that wants to fish all nine that can't even get into them. You know what I mean? Like, so this, this makes, this makes it possible for anybody that wants to get in that is ready for that lifestyle change. Like if you got a job now and, and you're fishing the three opens, like I, I get it. Yeah. But if you can't make time now, how are you going to make time later? Cause what, what can happen is you think you can make time later and, and maybe you have three knockout events and you make the elite series and you know, maybe you don't get the financial help or, or then you're quitting your job or well, two events in, then you quit. And what, what hurts me and the other guys, like you're taking somebody else's spot. And now it's to the point where like, since I've started, like we've lost 60 to 75 guys that have been kicked out by other guys, which I love it. It's competition. That's what makes us better. And like, you got to catch them to stay in there, but it's frustrating when somebody gets in and then they're out in three or four events. Yeah. And like, I totally get it. You got to do what's right for your family, your kids, you know, your life. But it's like you send another guy that had the deals and was there and he's packing. You know what I mean? So I feel like now the people that make the Elite Series are going to be more prepared. And they're if they're fishing all nine events, they probably already have a sponsor lineup or they have some sort of work situation that is, allows them to make money at home or whatever. So the guys that make it are, are there to stay. So I feel like it's the right stepping stone for that. Um, but I do wish like there's another place for other guys to fish even more because like they're still full everywhere, you know? So yeah. I think... In the in in terms of qualification for the elite series, I think it's the best thing because it's going to get the guys that are there to stay, and that's why I still like the fact that if you win, you go to the class because that's I mean that's still a dream too. Like if you're a you know yeah I I wish I wish they did it a little bit like a combination. If you want angle of the year on one of the three divisions, you get to go because that's a pretty dang big accomplishment. Yeah, then maybe take you know four or five out of the nine. That way you still get in the seven or eight guys, but you still have a chance if you fish only three. You know that's right. It's a work in progress. I think maybe they'll change it, you know, down the road. Yeah. 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 And and I think you're right there. Now that I look at it, you know, stepping back, I think, you you know, for the guys that do fish all three, I mean, it is tough. I mean, it's still, no matter what you do, it's still tough to, to make that commitment to fish all three of them, you know, you got a regular, because some, because some of that, you know, depending on your, your uh, vacation time, if you got a regular job, that's all of it. That's all of it. Yeah. So, I mean, all your family vacations and all that stuff is gone for the year. Cause that's what you're focused on. Yeah. That's why I mean, it's a tough, like everybody, man, if I had the time or the money, I would do what you do. I'm like us being on the other side. Now that's the one thing all of us hate to hear because I'm like, aside of us, very select few, nobody had the time or the money. Like I lived at home till I was 30 because I did not want to get committed for a wife and kids. I still owned a little home, like a rental house that I hustled to make money for. I was working 80, 90 hours a week, hustling on the side, doing construction, landscape, ref and hockey nights a weekend because I was trying to make money to support the fishing thing. And it's like, it just, it, it's what are you willing to do that other people aren't to get you that next step. And for some people, it's just literally just being just soaked into the industry of fishing every day. Like everybody's got a different path, but mm-hmm. what, what all the paths need is they all need money and they all need time on the water. And it's like, typically if you got the money, you don't have the time on the water. You got the time on the water, you don't have the money. So it's like a, it's a constant struggle and a balance trying to make, make that part work, you know, yeah. especially when you're starting off because it, it is hard. It's expensive and to fish the opens, unless you make a top, you know, seven or eight, you're not going to make any money. You could finish 12th in all of them. You're going to spend the same amount. You're not going to make money. It's there for the experience and to get to the next step kind of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I've heard people talk about the payouts ain't good and the opens and this and that, but that's what I'm looking at. I'm like, you know, it's really not there to make a living off of. It's there to yeah 
just get prepared for the next step, you know? So yeah, I do think there, there needs to be another little open tour or something. Maybe, if, maybe it's four events mm-hmm. that, you know, it'd be cool if, if we had something going where, cause now like you lose seven to 10 guys a year for the elite series. I don't want to necessarily go fish, you know, with, I'm mean, love the guys at MLF, but I don't want to go there. I like the elite format and want to be there, but like, they don't give you a platform to make money. So then you might have to fish a couple opens and maybe go fish, you know, the major league fishing, the the big five or whatever, because there you can still, it's a $10,000 payout. You can still keep some, you know, sponsor stuff and you can still cash in bigger checks. So it's like, yeah. you got to have a combination of the two kind of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough game. And people, I don't think a lot of people look at it. If, if you don't have the endorsements and the sponsorship, I mean, if you really look at it from what you guys pay a year to travel and, and entry fees and all that stuff, even if you cash checks at all events, I mean, sometimes you're just breaking even, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're not, you don't, dude, you don't, you don't make a living cash and checks. And I hate yeah. saying that. I mean, it is what it is. It's just, there's so much opportunity in fishing right now with the, uh, the non-endemics that are involved, the people in fishing that are involved. Um, but there, you don't make money a living cash and checks in my first year. Let's just say I had, I mean, I'll just be honest with you guys straight up. Here you go. It was, I had maybe 45, 48 grand in sponsor deals, which is a lot. Your first, that's a pile of money more than yeah. I ever had in my life. I cashed two elite checks an open check or two for like 23,000. Well, there's my, you know, what did I make? 67 again. Well, I spent 83 with yeah. all my travel, all the entry fees everywhere. So like I busted my butt and I lost 13 grand. So try to try to support a family on negative 13,000. It ain't easy. So come back to that. Life. <laughs> yeah. The year, the year before that I had won an open and I had finished an FLW tour event as a co-angler and finished, uh, I won one of those for another 30 years. So I had saved like 60 grand and I still worked 80 hours a week. So like, I knew that was my time to take a risk. Yeah. And then it, it grew every year after that. But like, you have to have some sort of plan set up because you don't want to just mortgage the house, double mortgage, you know, credit card. Like you want to start with something and have like a feasible plan to give yourself a chance. And, and we all have stories like that. And it's just, I would have done it earlier. I wish I did. And I almost won a tournament and like three or four years before that as a co-angler and come to find out the fish I lost when I finished third, the guy that won was Brandon Pollock. And that was the year he made the elite series that year. And that was the money that piggybacked his career. Yeah. You know, then three years later I won one man. It's just, it's crazy. All the interconnections and stuff, but everybody has some sort of like, this is my time. And it just, it just comes together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's cool to hear that, hear that backstory and then, and kind of give everybody a perspective of what it is. Like everybody thinks it's glamorous to be an elite pro, but it's, it's tough and it's it's a lot of sacrifice for you and your family you know what i mean so for sure you got to have a good support crew i mean that like when i first started i was on the road a couple times for six weeks at a time i mean now it's gotten better we tried to we st- I still got one one event this year one run where i've got two elites so open and elite i'll be on the road for like four and a half weeks I'm t- hopefully my wife and kids can fly out for like 10 days in the middle but it's a long time to not see your kids you know but it's it's part of the sacrifices everyone makes i mean because it you see like there's a ton of sacrifice start to finish, but I mean, it is like, there's a lot of money to be made, but a lot of it's at the upper end. So they don't show a lot of the struggles because who wants to see the struggles, you know, but the reality is some people fail, some people succeed, but like now I would say it's probably the healthiest, you know, where the median of the fishing, like it's, it's all, it's all coming up, you know, with different, couple of different groups, a couple of different places to fish. Like that's raised the bar as well. Bass has stepped up a lot to help us too. So it's a good time to fish and, and be involved in the fishing industry. I mean, a lot of people, more people are fishing than ever before. So hopefully we just keep rolling and get to, you know, get out there and catch them and 
make money and keep our wives happy and uh, live a good <laughs> life, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, 2023 elite season. Is there, I know a lot of anglers, we ask this question a lot when we talk to you guys, and, and, and the question we get is all of them, but is there uh, – Mine's north. North, yes. Uh, yeah, all yours is upper north. Yeah. Um, is is there is there anything I – know, I know you're the north northern lakes, but is there any, like, southern lakes that you're kind of like, man, I love to get to this year? I mean, Actually, I, I, I love Lake – obviously, I've done well at Fork. I love Lake Fork. I just learned how to fish, like, timber. And over the past few times being there, like, I've really realized – what else the fish on like what bugs me is when i led when i had 63 pounds after two days like i caught all those fish off of like two places and i really didn't know a lot about like the herring you know the the spawn not the herring spawn but the the, the dang uh gizzard chad spawn yeah and i didn't know about these other bear places like if i knew like the areas that i know now if that was firing with you I'd, like i don't want to turn it and it would have been a big thing to beat cob catching 38 pounds but like I mean, I caught five pounds one day. You know what I mean? So it just, it, it, it would have been nice if I'd have known a little bit more. But that's part of, like we talked about, you just learn, you pick up pieces as you go. And and I picked up a lot of pieces there and places I, I've learned, like I love grass fishing. I love offshore grass fishing, whether it's chatterbait and jerkbait. Like that's when I almost won at Pickwick. You know, I was catching them on a chatterbait there. Um, but when I found them in practice, I was on a chatterbait, a worm and a jerkbait. You know, just like I love adapting and milling around. I hate hate fishing the bank line that's just not me i've got my butt kicked like going to flip bushes or flip a row of reeds or whatever like i just don't have the confidence that yeah i'm gonna go by like i want to pitch in once and, and leave i don't want to keep going up and down but i've seen it where i roll in and maybe i catch one and i leave and then i drive a couple times and a guy that makes the top 10 is just going like this back and forth <laughs> like a hundred yard stretch i'm like i'm just not wired for that i guess so yeah, yeah. It, it takes a special person because I, I i have fished like federation tournaments and stuff with draw partners and you know i'll be running a boat and if i if i got a group of fish like around six or seven docks i'll stay there especially if it's like in a channel swing or something and yep. get my limit and sometimes they're looking at you like dude are we gonna fire this thing up and go somewhere else and i'm like no no i think i think they're here man you know like some people just ain't like that like they gotta go we gotta move yeah i want to throw the one that wants to eat but there's been times where i'm like i did mess up you know and i've, I've learned Florida is one of those, like Florida, I've got the first couple of times kind of stubbed my toe the last, you know, three, four or five years I've done really well in Florida. And it's because like Florida is you pick your trolling motor up more than two or three times, you pretty much lose. Like the deal in Florida is you have to put it down and you have to mill around. Like if you caught them on this sparse stuff here and there's thick stuff here, well, you just kind of keep going in and out all day long. And eventually they're going to go from the thick to the thin or vice versa, or they're going to turn on or move up. And it's like, before I've had three or four of the best areas on the lake and I try to be super specific. Like I like to fish, but the problem is you miss those bite windows everywhere. And when the tournament's done, I'm like, well, the five or six guys I fished around in each area all made the top 30 and I finished 90th because I tried to fish all four areas, you know, and it's, yeah. So Florida's one of those places, slow down and let's get to work. Yeah. They said, love to see them go to the Everglades would like a 32 a day to win. Oh, Sounds like fun to me. Yeah, dirty. Oh, yeah. dirty. <laughs> Where's the Everglades? I'm guessing it's in Florida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. Well, is there any lakes that you think that might stick out this year? I know the Sabine River might be one of them. I'm just kidding. Uh, that yeah. might be like a, a, a Century Belt Lake this year. I'm 0 for 4 on the Sabine River for checks, by the way. <laughs> but this is the year I'm going yeah. yeah, to knock out the park. Maybe yeah. top 70. 
we 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 might get lucky and see what a 15 pound bag at Sabine, I, but you know, like we won't see nothing. They catch 20, 25 pound bags in the winter. Those big ones get in there. And yeah. just, I think they come to the main river cause they winter. And then once it gets, they go back to the marshes and you know, you can't find them. So yeah. it, it will be a fun tournament though. Like the, the one time when I should have cashed a check and finished like 50th or something, it was when we were there in June and it just, it's more my style. It's title then it's run and gun. You can fish specific, like all the other times when we're fishing in March, it's like all the fish go to the dead end things and you see everybody in the, the dead end canals and it's like the dead end ponds. And that's just, I, I hate fishing. Like it's like going up and down the bank. That's not for me. I want to get down the main river and hit a stretch, come back, tide falls, go here. And you can do more of that this time in June when the fish are trying to be in the current. So I'm yeah. excited about that actually, but I, I mean, looking forward to Murray. Yeah. I've never been there. I, I just spent like, maybe a half a day driving around and the water was like 10 feet low, but just the idea of how I like to fish with, you know, throwing a crankbait, a topwater, a jerkbait, you know, and fish up in points and like herring and active feeding fish. It seems like in April or there, it should be wide open with the fish moving shell active. Like the last thing you want is like Casey Ashley, when he won the classic a super big cold front, never having been on the lake it's hard to find because they're in such specific tight areas when you're unfamiliar with the lake you want them to be up and active it just makes it easier to break it down you're gonna get more bites so yeah yeah that that would be especially them lakes down there where it's really flat and yeah you know, work everything i mean that's a lot of graph time to really figure it out if you had to you know what i mean especially when they're moving like you go there the herring are there you're like oh there's 25 pounds here you go there the next day the herring are gone and there's nothing there yeah, yeah. it's Super. like mouth. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they come back though <laughs> yeah 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 that's I, i'm really looking forward to you guys at uh murray i think that's gonna be a good one and and i'm really looking forward to seminole because i know seminole's got some monsters in there as well and i think that's gonna set up i mean it's february that's an early early uh like pre-spawn maybe yeah. spawn kind of bite you know yeah we were there once in 2016 um, or so i think seven f 17 maybe it was Somewhere in there, but it, yeah. it was a fun, fun place. A lot of guys, I think I had 15 something the first day. I was in like 50th place and it's really weather, the weather dependent there with that, but it's the grass is everywhere there. And there's, so that's one of those places. I am looking forward to that one. Cause if you can find them out in the grass somewhere, you should be able to have some fun with them. For sure. Now going up North here, what, uh, out of all those, out of the three lakes, it's going to be up there. Which one is your, your favorite, which one you're really looking forward to out of Champlain, uh, Lake St. Clair or, uh, St. Louis river. Yeah, I mean, um, well, the only bass event I've won was the Open on the on St. Clair, and I won on Lake Erie. And the only time I finished like third or fourth on the, on the elites was when we could run to Erie. I ran to Erie, and the last two times we've been there, I haven't done worth a crap, and we they kept us in St. Clair, you know. Yeah. And this year we can run to Erie again, so I'm excited about that. I really haven't fished Erie. In, I went out once in the last five years out there, but. I know the fish have been big and strong everywhere. So I'm anxious to get out there and hope if the weather lines up, I'd love to make some runs out there and, you know, see what can happen. Uh, that being said, Champlain is my favorite lake in the country still yeah. just because of the way it sets up, like, you know, rock pile, drop shot, finesse stuff, but then just big top water, crankbait, jerkbait, like in the grass. So you have a combination. It's not like you're just throwing at targets or just cranking or what, like you can drop shot a little bit. You can go pick up a big walking bait or a, a uh, crankbait and do some work so i just love like that's the decision making we can hop around quick and that that's that's going to be a really fun one for sure isn't lake champlain the lake where they say the loch ness monster is or the uh yeah, nessie. yeah, yeah. nessie that's what it is yeah, now, I haven't I, seen I, it yet, I, but... we should be able to see it 
we'll but, see. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that that was actual not the Nessie the question, but you know, were you one are you one of them guys that make those super long runs? You know, we see Brandon Polinick and them do it, make those really long runs. Or are you you just talking about it? You do that a lot on some of these lakes? Um, I don't. Like, I feel like – I don't want to say I fish safe like in years past. Like, the first five years, I would definitely fish safer because, you know, if you finish 100th, it's hard to make up for that. You know, like, I feel like I'm a, a pretty good middle of that, you know, 20 to 40th finisher for right now. I need to – you know, I'm knocking some top 10s to, to level out as well. Um, not that I'm afraid to take risks right now. I just feel like I play – I don't know if it's percentages or the odds or whatever in – unless I feel good about the place I'm running to, there's so many variables. Like I've got no problem making a long run to Lake Erie. I know it very well. Um, but I want to know that the the right fish are there. You know what I mean? And it's like, especially now with the technology, like Lake St. Clair, I've never liked before because we didn't have live because you can go out and find them, catch 25 pounds and they slide over a hundred yards. You don't even know they're there. Well now with the technology, you can be that much more efficient on St. Clair. And that's the, the problem. Like the rock piles don't move on Lake Erie. And I can fish those very efficient, but I could already do that. Now the guys in St. Clair, if, if the fish are bigger on St. Clair, um, excuse me, on St. Clair, they can literally just hunt. You look around, you're moving, you're, you know, and that's what makes it, <clears throat> I would say, easier to fish those flatter places, you know. But if yeah. I go out and the weather's right and the first day of practice on Erie and I catch, you know, a few, you know, four to five and a half pounders, I'm probably going to spend my time there if I feel like I can get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one other question I wanted to ask you, and it just slipped my mind on there. But um, let's kind of get into, because uh, it's getting later, let's kind of get into some wintertime bass fishing techniques. Here we are. We're, you know, we're, I'm going to say we're in Virginia. So, but it's getting, it's kind of a weird, weird winter where it's been kind of like, I'm going to say halfway spring. Yeah. Or, you know, except like we talked about, December hit, it was super cold, had an Arctic blast, and then spring hit, basically. Here and there we get up 40 40 degree day with a lot of wind, but what are, what are your top, let's say your top three baits that you're going to look for when you hit out on the water and the water temperatures in that 46 to 51 range. Yeah. I would, first of all, like it, every day, whether it's cooling or warming or cooling is the main thing you want to pay attention. I'm not going to go anywhere without a jerk bait. I mean, I love fishing up North and I throw a jerk bait year round, but especially that winter time, you know, maybe it's, um, I'm not a big like jig flipping guy, but I'm going to go down a channel swing bank and I'm going to throw a jerk bait and j- it's just putting in the right place. It's still just out same place as you throw the jig or throw mm-hmm. a glide bait, the ends of lay down certain, you know, types of rocks that, you know, hold heat that time of year, like standing timber, anything that's out of the water that comes in that draws heat. Those are going to hold fish around boat docks. So definitely not going anywhere out of jerk bait and um, a drop shot is another that's just a great way to clean up fish, you know, drop shot with any kind of, you know, finesse worm. You're just, you're going to get a lot of bites doing that kind of deal. And the other thing, like you said, is getting up shallow and throwing a crankbait, like depending on where you're at, if it's flat and structureless, it's probably going to be like a lipless, like a, like a tremor, a Demiki tremor 65 is a great way to catch fish up shallow, you know, cold water, cold weather or some sort of square bill, you know, depending on, like I said, if it's a lot of cover or if it's kind of clean grass. Um, yeah. Now when you're, when you're looking for those fish, are you, are you going to start 
at the mouth of the creek and, and move your way in and hitting channel swings, or are you just going to start in the back and then just kind of work your way out to the, the main? I would, the, the, I would say the best thing to do to get a gauge on like what, and I've made mistakes like in tournaments and practices is trying to run what you think is right, right away. Like just, you know, running just all the outer points, whatever, like just sometimes it's good just, you know, for four hours, put your trolling motor down, like get in a creek and kind of fish it. And you'll, and, and you'll start to get a gauge on where the fish are. You know, maybe you pick a small creek, you start on the out, you fish some points, fish some channel swings, fish the backs of some stuff, and, and you'll start to notice where you get bites. And then you can dissect things quicker and then start running, you know, a pattern within a pattern. But I just, for me personally, it's been harder. If you just try to run stuff, you don't really give the fish a chance to tell you like you're, which it still works sometimes, but you're not letting the fish tell you what they're doing. You're kind of, making you're you're telling the fish where i want to catch you which again can be work but you can be too stubborn sometimes and sometimes you just miss easy clues you know yeah now a lot of guys everything you see around this time of year especially when you get mid-south to south is red and are you are you a guy that's got to have red on this time of year or you just kind of go natural and i know watercolor plays a big yeah difference in what you throw but for roundabout, are you kind of keeping it natural shad looking, or do you try to try some of them really bright colors? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty simple, dude. If you looked at like what I throw on the boat, like when I'm catching on the DC 300, like what color? I'm like, it's probably real shad. It's real shad. It's real like three crawfish. I'm I'm throwing real shad. It's yeah. Like just triggering a bite. And I say that you know, there's times when obviously like super clear water, the color makes a huge difference. But the main thing I like to think of is is the the water column. You know, whether they're top, middle, or bottom. And I would focus more on that versus trying to dissect 50 different colors, you know, yeah. and then getting the reaction out of the grass. Again, is the fish in the bottom of the grass or are they sitting suspended next to the clumps of grass? That way you get a gauge on, you know, where the fish are at and what they're doing versus the color and still pay attention to clues. You know, if, now with our technology, if you get a lot of fish following a jerk bait, not committing, maybe, you know, switch to a swim bait or maybe switch colors on your jerk bait. Same thing with how you're hooking the fish. You know, if I'm throwing a lipless and they're missing it a lot and I'm throwing white, I, the red's the next one you'd have on, you know, when the crawfish are hatching and then maybe they start choking that one. Well, then like you're, you're paying attention to those clues, but pretty, my buddy's joke, um, De Palma gives me a hard time about if I'm catching, like, you probably know the five baits I'm catching them on. Like it's, I'm not, it's not rocket <laughs> science as much as we all think it is. Sometimes it's just going out there and putting the baits in front of the fish, you know, that want to bite and, that I'm gonna throw a DC 300. I'm gonna throw a jerk bait. I'm gonna throw a drop shot, top water, shaky head, and you know that's and then a chatter bait. And that's what I'm gonna catch mine, bro. <laughs> yeah, and you know I, I've talked to a lot of guys from you know FLW to uh, elite. Well, I say FLW, MLF now um, to even the kayaking side that are the people, the big names in the kayak. And it seems like all of them are keeping it simple. You know what I mean? Like I think some people take get fishing and make it more confusing than what it probably truly is. Yeah, there's so many variables out there, like with the fish moving, leaving, biting, not biting, you know, whatever else is going on. Like, then you look at top of the water, bottom of the water, you know, color, like you could drive yourself crazy. And yeah. the, the, my best example is the first year I fished, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago on Champlain, I was with a buddy of mine and we were like 12 foot deep and I was throwing a tube and it was drag, literally dragging on the rocks and it goes, and it loaded right, felt big, set the hook and it breaks. I'm like, that's a big one. My buddy didn't fish a ton at the time. He's like, how do you know? I'm like, well, the way it bit and the way it loaded, he throws his top water out. And again, my fish, I'm 100% dragging my tube on the bottom. Kabloosh! Brings in a four-pounder, and it's got my tube here and it's spook here. I mean, the fish was on the bottom 
and it ate in the top. Like those are the fish you're looking for. The one that that fish didn't care what color anything was. It didn't care if it was on the bottom. If you'd have thrown a crankbait, a jerkbait, a top, it ate everything. Yeah. You know, so it's like, how much into color do you want to get? You know, some guys are marking the tail on something. Like I'm just, you know, try to keep it simple. That's what I've I've never understood with guys with crankbaits, and I applaud the guys that can really paint some crazy yeah. looking crankbaits. And if you got something that you're going to pause and stop and let sit there for a little bit, it, it might be okay. But I've learned that, man, I've seen people throw stuff that look like my daughter would color and catch. Yes. It, you know what I mean? So sometimes I, I think these people pay lots of money for these custom painted crankbaits, and not taking nothing away from them guys because you know I know they're they're yeah. they love doing it and making money and uh, you know helping with the sport and all that, but. I think some people, we take it, this color thing way too far and just. Yeah. Yep. And there's a time and a place, but the main thing that it is, it's still up here. So if the guy that pays $25 a bait and he keeps that bait in his hand because he thinks that like it, it's a mental thing. I mean, yeah. it, it, as much as it is weird, like if that helps him like say, Hey, this is the bait they're eating. Then it's, it's gold. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had guys and, and to be honest with you, I've done it before. Like where you skip a lure and you hit a dock and it gets that white chalk all over your worm, you know, oh, yeah. and take it off, put a new one on. I'm like, yeah, I can't, uh-uh. I'm putting yep. a new one. I'm like, I don't like, you know, like, and I've, I've kind of done that a couple of times. I'm like, eh, maybe they ain't biting it. Cause that, I'll take it off. And but it, it is, yeah, I had a guy tell me once a long time ago on St. Clair. I'm like, I was catching them on like purple and red flake. And he looked over and he like leaned in. He's like, they're not on the flake bite anymore. They're on tinsel. I looked at him like, they're on what? He's like, no, nah, tinsel's the deal. Now. Like, so instead of having little squares of the color in the bait, there's little strands. And I'm like, you mean to tell me a fish swims up and sees the, all the same colors, but the the strand thickness of the tints? I'm like, yeah, that's a headache. <laughs> but with Chad, I'm gonna let you get going, man. I do appreciate you taking the time and spreading, you know, giving us some knowledge, and then also talking about your your season. And there's a lot of great information in there on teaching people how to. You know, be confident in themselves uh, and, and, and just having a, a great mental attitude on the water, basically, and, you know, in time on the water. So um, I do appreciate you taking the time to do that. And I just want to wish you good luck, too, this year and, and hope it, hope you get you a W under your belt. Uh, this yeah, year. that sounds good, man. I appreciate it. We're looking forward to having some fun this year and hopefully we'll be uh, be able to talk to you guys on some Sundays while we're out on Bass Live getting, yeah. getting the job done here. That's the plan. So. That's right, man. Well, I appreciate it, Chad. You have a good one, man, and safe travels this year, buddy. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll Thank see you. you. Bye. All right, man. That was uh, I like. I wanted to have the opportunity to talk to Chad. I've talked to him at uh the Elite Tournament. I mean, yeah, the classics and and all that stuff. And it was always just you know pretty neat to talk with him. And and he's. He's just got a great attitude. He's easy guy to talk to. So, um, but we are going to hopefully be talking with these guys down here to classic this year, go down and get some videos and, and hopefully they, um, you know, hopefully Chad, he has, has a a good season this year. I'm just really excited to, to get him on, but he, he, he was so busy. A lot of these guys were trying to get down on Okeechobee. They were trying to, um, you know, get, get boats ready and wraps and all that stuff. And then, he also plays hockey. He has he plays in a hockey league. So on Sunday nights, that's when he was doing his his hockey league, and that's why we had to do this show tonight to get him on because he's just he's just really busy. So, um, but I do appreciate everybody kind of tuning in tonight. I know this show we don't don't have a lot you know going on um, to talk about. Just I wanted to get Chad on and you know go over you know like I say go over his season. So um, I hope a lot of you guys got some great information out of that. I know I did. It, it was. 
um, every time I talk to somebody new, it's like I, I get so much information from each one. But when you sit down and you write it down and you look at it, it all comes back to just a very few things. Time on the water, confidence in your baits, and confidence in yourself. You know what I mean? And time on the water is what gets that. So the common denominator is just making sure you get that time on the water. And I know for a lot of guys, it's really tough because you got families and you got um, work and all this stuff. But for me, it, it's kind of the same way. I don't get as much time. You think I would get as much time on the water than, you know, some of these other guys, but with our running our business and then, you know, doing the logistics side behind the, uh, you know, on the computer and all that stuff, I don't get as much time. So I'm kind of like here with everybody else. You know, I try to get that once a week if I can, sometimes, sometimes once a month. It just depends on how things go. But it's just kind of getting out there and building confidence in what you're doing and and being out there for those changes because we all know that things can change in in a minute. You know what I mean? And and everybody is um I mean, all these fish are, you know, they're either sitting there in about that 10 to 15 foot range and the sun comes up and it gets good and sunny and it warms up. They'll pull up super shallow um, quick. So, you know, and that's some things that I had to learn this year from fishing or last year from fishing Hobie and bass was, you know, these different lakes and how these fish just make just subtle changes that will help you get more bites. You know, for uh, Toledo Bend, for instance, I was casting a... um, um, shoot Carolina rig out in about 15, 20 foot of water, dragged it up, getting bites. It was little ones. And then I finally just made fan cast it across the point on the shallow side and didn't like what I felt down the bottom. So I went to burn it back in and boom, hung one. And it was like 18 inches long. And I started doing that a little bit towards the end of the tournament. And I was losing some fish because trying to reel a Carolina rig in like a crankbait, your hook set sometimes ain't as great. And I think I made some changes with my hooks too. So I think it was, uh, the kind of style hook I was using then, which I was using a wide gap, which is okay. But on a Carolina rig, I like, you know, I like using um, more of an offset hook there. So, um, but, you know, but you learn those things. That's time on the water, man. You know, I've talked with guys like Casey Reed and uh, we got Jason Hensley in here now talking with him, you know, it's making those changes on the water and, and being on there all the time. You'll, you'll learn that you'll learn that from time on the water. So, um, but anyways, uh, guys, before I get off here again, make sure you check out uh, Waterland Sunglasses and use one objective at your promo code. That'll get you 15% off your order. Um, they got they got a lot of different different styles that you can choose from. They got sunglasses for men and women um, and then your lenses. And like I say, it's very important if you can afford to get you a couple different pairs of colors to have in the boat. Um, it, it's great because you can you can use them for all kinds of different, you know, from cloudy to muddy water, clear water, um, super sunny days. Um, but if I had to pick one, one pair right off would probably be a color wise is going to be that blue color. They got, I can't remember the daggone name of that, that color they call it, but cause everybody's got so many different colors. They call their lenses, but it's a blue and I'll look it up and I'll, 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 uh, I'll have it right for the next show. But, um, if you had to go around and, and, and pick one color to get you for through everything, That'd probably be your best bet on that. So, um, but like say frames, everybody's head's different. Just check out all the frames. They got, they got a lot of great frames, but other than that, guys, uh, I hope you enjoyed the video, uh, or the show. And like I said, I'm going to have this up on, um, iTunes shortly, and it's going to be up on iTunes, uh, Podbean, iHeartRadio, 
all, pretty much all of the popular um, podcast outlets. You can go out there and check it out and download it. And if you're on iTunes or if you're on a platform that allows a rating, please go in there and give us a rating and it helps, you know, promote the show and get the show up there and um, all that. So, but other than that, guys, we'll talk to you later. Y'all have a great, uh, great weekend. Y'all have a safe weekend and please share those fish pictures with us. We love to share them in our stories and all that. And you can also tag us at hashtag one objective BF. And you can check out our website at oneobjectivebf.com for, for all your kayak accessories. Tackle. We got a lot of tackle on there. Make sure you go check that out. And then um, everything else you need for just getting on the water and having a good time. So we'll talk to you later, guys. See y'all.